but like they're scared that they're not gonna make friends or that it's just gonna be them. So what? It, it'll be fun, it's a new experience. I wish I had joined sports. I didn't play any sports here. I regret that now. It's better to regret doing something to, than to regret not having done it. I'm going to Regis University. I sent my deposit over so it's finalized. And I wanna go into criminal justice and criminology. As I grew up, I realized that like our criminal justice system isn't like fair to people of color and I'd like to be a part of changing that. My parents didn't get to finish high school, so I think finishing high school and then going to college is a really great opportunity. I want to take advantage of all the opportunities I've been given, you know, for them. I can do this. We believe in you. Each day brings hope. Every day, millions of people celebrate their recovery from addiction and mental illness while others begin their journey. Be a part of it. Tell your story. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental or substance use disorders for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Things could be stranger, but I don't know how. I'm going through changes Through all of the strangeness I'm going through changes now established by charter and receives audit reports and other information from the Denver Audit Office. The committee strives to bring greater clarity, transparency, and accountability to Denver's city government and its residents. It is also responsible for commissioning an annual audit of the city's annual comprehensive financial report. This committee is chaired by Auditor Timothy M. O'Brien. Jack Blumenthal? Here. Leslie Mitchell? Here. Charles Scheib? Tim O'Brien? Here. So we don't have a quorum yet, um, and we will not be able to approve the minutes of uh, our June 22nd meeting. We do have a report briefing on the Denver College Affordability uh, Fund Program. Vilma, would you like to introduce your team, or Patrick, would you like to introduce the audit team? And if you have any opening remarks. Jared, I have about 30 minutes of talking. No, just kidding. Uh, so We've got I'm time Pat. today. Okay. So. I'm Pat. I was the senior manager on the project. 
this is Bill Murphy, Director of Events and was the lead auditor. So uh, real quick before Vilma gets into the three, three findings was we just like to start off by talking about why is this audit important, right? So this is important. Back in 2018, voters said, hey, let's raise sales tax, eight basis points, take that money, let's give it out to scholarships so Denver residents can better afford to go to college. So what this audit is looking at is where are we at right now with that effort? Is it in line with the ordinance requirements? Um, is it in line with voter intent? So with that, I'll turn it over to Vilma and her team to go over the three findings. Um, before we do that, and one, I'd like to ask people to make sure that they speak as close into the microphone as possible so anybody viewing can hear your comments. Um, but I'd like to ask um, people from the Office of Children's Affairs. Melissa is here. Melissa Yaniszewski, the Executive Director for the Office of Children's Affairs. Good morning. Good morning. And Kat Jarvis is here. Yes, hi, I'm Kat Jarvis. I'm the Deputy Director of the Office of Children's Affairs. Thank you and welcome. From Prosperity Denver Fund, Matt. Matt Jordan, CEO. Steve. Uh, Stephen Kurtz, um, I'm up until about a few months ago was the first chairman of Prosperity Denver Fund for the last four years. Welcome. And from the Denver Scholarship Foundation, Lori. Good morning, I'm Lori Rabinowitz, CEO of Denver Scholarship Foundation, one of the supported organizations of Prosperity Denver. Perfect, glad you're here. Um, we now have a quorum. Um, before we continue with the briefing, maybe we could dispose of the minutes real quick. Is there a motion to approve the minutes of last month's meeting? So moved. Second. Any discussion, all in favor? All right. Um, does anyone from either the Office of Children's Affairs, Prosperity Denver, or the Scholarship Foundation have any opening comments before we get into this? So um, I have a question that maybe I should save it for the end, but I'd like to at least throw it out there uh, and have you think about it. You know, the state of, I think this kind of support is really the kind of funding that usually comes from the state. And it didn't, and Denver stepped up and, uh, you know, has established a revenue stream to do this kind of funding. Well, now you've seen the, Dem or the state has approved free uh, community college tuition, and how will that impact, I mean, it's got to cut into your customer base, if uh, you will, uh, how will that impact, you know, everyone here at the table going forward? Take that one. Uh, in fact, it won't. It, it, we're excited to see the state stand behind community college and free community college at that. It is tuition that is covered, and cost of attendance is different than tuition and fees. So cost of attendance includes things like room and board, computers and books, transportation. And so while tuition and fees are covered, which is fantastic, those additional fees uh, are not currently covered. And through our lens at Denver Scholarship Foundation, because of the scholarship we provide, we're so proud to say that the community college students we serve already uh, have their tuition and fees covered. And so from our standpoint, it will not impact our direct student population of those we serve through Denver Scholarship Foundation. We anticipate it will provide opportunity for many more students throughout the state to attend community college, Bill, which is wonderful. And if I could ask another question. Of course. Could a student who receives free tuition from the state of Colorado then receive a scholarship? That's correct. Oh, that's, that's terrific. Yes, that's correct. Okay. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, why don't we continue, Velma? Good morning, everyone. My name is Velma Belnite. Um, before we proceed, I'll mention that in addition to this team, we also had John Michael Steiner and Zach McKenzie, both senior auditors who contributed to the audit. And we would like to thank the Office of Children's Affairs, Prosperity Denver, and supported organizations for their help throughout this audit. We also want to thank those who offer their skills and free time for this program, such as Prosperity Denver's board, and the volunteers who work for supported organizations. As someone who grew up in poverty and received an opportunity of free college tuition, I can attest to the transformative power of college education and such opportunity. The background begins on page one of the report. Pursuing post-secondary education can create opportunities for greater income and better quality of life, which also helps residents contribute to the local economy. But the financial burden that comes with pursuing higher education can discourage many potential students. Recognizing the problem of college affordability, in November 2018, Denver residents approved a voter-initiated ordinance that established a 0.08 sales and use tax increase to help eligible Denver students from families with lower incomes pay for post-secondary education and related support services. The ordinance calls for the tax collection to stop in 2030, but the program can continue until the funds are spent. As of this audit, we know of no other such municipal program in the nation. The ordinance required the creation of a nonprofit organization whose sole purpose is to administer the program. Prosperity Denver was formed to meet this requirement, and the city contracted with the new nonprofit in September 2019. This contract will last through the end of the program. As shown in figure one on page two of the report, there are four major parties in the program, and they are marked in dark blue and dark green colors. The Department of Finance collects the sales and use tax revenue and then passes it on to Prosperity Denver Fund. The Children's Affairs Office manages the contract with Prosperity Denver. Neither the city nor Prosperity Denver directly offers scholarships or support services to students. Eligible students must first be awarded scholarships through a qualifying nonprofit, also called a supported organization. After the scholarships are provided and students complete an academic year with, with satisfactory academic progress, supported organizations apply to Prosperity Denver for reimbursements. Prosperity Denver and its consultant review these requests, approve them, and calculate and pay reimbursements twice a year for the previous academic year. Figure two on page five of the report shows relevant financial information from Prosperity Denver Fund's required audited financial statements. Since the 2019 fiscal year, the sales and tax annual revenue collected for this program has steadily increased from 8.9 to 14.5 million. Total tax revenues for the program were about 46.4 million as of September 30th of 2022. In total, Prosperity Denver has paid out about 21 million to supported organizations, or 45% of all revenue collected. It has spent about 2 million on administrative expenses, and it had accumulated 29 million in cash. Of that, about 5.4 million was designated for pending reimbursements. 
The ordinance originally required that 95% of the designated tax revenue go towards reimbursing supported organizations, while the remaining 5% could be used for Prosperity Denver's administrative costs. <clears throat> the ordinance made an exception for the first year of the program when up to 10% was allowed to be used for administrative costs to help set up operations. The contract allows carrying forward unspent administrative funds Prosperity Denver has not exceeded this limit. Reimbursement to supported organizations cannot be more than 75% of the cost of scholarships and support services provided. On page 6 of the report, we explain that the city's college affordability fund supports two forms of student financial aid through reimbursements Prosperity Denver makes to supported organizations, and those are scholarships and related support services. Scholarships help reduce a student's cost of, to attend a post-secondary institution, such as two-year or four-year program at a college, university, or technical school. Costs eligible include tuition, fees, room and board, and books and supplies. Support services are meant to increase the likelihood <coughs> a student will graduate from college. These can include tutoring service, advice in applying for admissions or choosing courses, coaching towards graduation, and financial aid assistance. Note that these are definitions prior to the 2023 ordinance changes, which is what we use during our audit. There are five student qualification requirements, residency, financial need, attendance at a qualifying post-secondary institution, satisfactory academic progress, and age. We will cover these requirements in more detail in finding two when we discuss our testing. Nothing restricts an eligible student to receiving only one tax-funded scholarship or support service during a school year. Figure 4 on page 11 of the report shows a timeline of key events related to the program and its city ordinance. You will notice the law itself has undergone some changes. We describe them on report pages 10 through 12. Notably, in 2020, the Denver City Council amended the ordinance by, among other things, allowing a temporary exemption to use high school attendance instead of a student's home address to determine their residency. And then in 2023, City Council approved further changes to the ordinance, including allowing reimbursements for support services in high schools, raising the maximum student age from 25 to 30, changing the residency requirement to use either a student's high school attendance or their residence in Denver for six instead of previous 36 months before high school graduation, additionally covering certain high-quality nonprofit programs, apprenticeships, and teacher certification programs and raising the cap on Prosperity Denver's administrative expenses from 5% to the designated tax of the designated tax revenue to 10%. The additional 5% is reserved for computer-based data management and evaluation systems. Prosperity Denver leaders said the most recent ordinance changes to the program were meant to improve accessibility, expand eligibility, and reduce administrative barriers. <coughs> the audit scope and objective can be found on page 53. The objective of this audit was to determine how well Prosperity Denver and supported organizations had ensured students were eligible for scholarship and support service reimbursements and whether amounts paid out from the fund were accurate. 
The scope of, this, of our audit included reviewing processes and data related to the Denver's College, College Affordability Fund program to determine how well the Office of Children's Affairs and Prosperity Denver were complying with city ordinance as it existed prior to May 2023. We also reviewed the disbursements from Prosperity Denver to the supported organizations. The time period we reviewed included the school years 2018-19 through partial year 2021-22, which is the whole existence of, of this program. This concludes the background section of the report. Does anyone have any questions or comments before we begin discussing the findings and recommendations? Questions from the committee? Okay, let's proceed. Finding one, starting on report, report page 13, says minimal oversight and insufficient data management practices do not ensure accurate and complete records for serving students. We will now outline the four main issues described in this finding. We found Prosperity Denver's data for the reimbursements it provides supported organizations is fragmented and incomplete. Two, there are no unique identifiers for students. Three, information reported about the number and demographics of students being served was incomplete. And finally, there was insufficient follow-up on potential additional eligibility issues. And now I'll go over the details of these four points. Because Prosperity Denver does not have a comprehensive database of its reimbursements for scholarships and support services, we obtained and merged 14 Excel files. This revealed some data issues, most notably that some key fields were missing information to confirm student eligibility. We also learned that nobody was using data analytics to look for potential errors or fraud, although leading practices recommend this procedure. Starting on report page 16, we discuss data fields missing information. As we have mentioned, the ordinance has specific requirements for what makes a student eligible for reimbursement. When reviewing the full data set, we found these fields missed information to determine eligibility. For residency, 2% of approved requests. Financial need eligibility, 0.77% of approved requests. There was no missing information to verify attendance at a qualifying school. For satisfactory academic progress, 0.04% of approved requests. And for age, 45% of approved requests. Prosperity Denver said it diligently worked to obtain missing information via phone calls and emails to supported organizations and confirmed eligibility for these students. However, they could not provide us with a spreadsheet they used to track these communications because they said they had accident accidentally deleted it. Based on this analysis, we cannot say whether these students were ineligible. We can only say there was incomplete data in the spreadsheets to determine eligibility. Without its complete database, Prosperity Denver cannot use data analytics to ensure accuracy and completeness of the data or monitor for potential errors. Prosperity Denver staff told us they were aware of the data management issues based on their own quality assurance reports. In response, they are creating a centralized database and automating how it collects and reports mm. student data. The database is expected to be finalized in September of 2023. Um, starting on report page 19, I'll discuss the next issue, which is unique identifiers. 
We found Prosperity Denver did not assign unique identifiers to each student. City ordinance requires Prosperity Denver to provide accurate reports, including the number of students and other specific metrics. Without unique identifiers, we cannot know how many students are benefiting from the program because spelling errors and inconsistent entries can cause the total number of students to be inaccurate. For example, it is difficult to identify duplicate students. In our analysis of all reimbursement requests, we identified at least one approved set of duplicate requests. On report page 20, we found Prosperity Denver's reporting about the students served is incomplete. Prosperity Denver has reported students' demographic information as part of its performance metrics to the city. This information was based on the students served by the largest supported organization and based on all of their students, not just those served by Prosperity Denver. We found that Prosperity Denver has also conflated the number of students served with the number of reimbursements it gives each year. For example, the number of students in year 2020 to 21 was reported as 1,844, the same number as reimbursements. The final topic in this finding starts on report page 21 and relates to two Prosperity Denver's quality assurance reports issued in 2022. The purpose of this new program is to verify that supported organizations are obtaining and maintaining supporting documentation for reimbursement requests as required by their annual agreements with Prosperity Denver. In this pilot program, they review, the reviewers looked into the Denver Scholarship Foundation and the North Side High School Alumni Association Scholarship Foundation. These reports identified eligibility issues and some inaccuracies for support services and led to refunded overpayments and other improvements. However, Prosperity Denver did not follow up on potential additional issues that may exist. For example, we found Prosperity Denver had given roughly 127,000 to other supported organizations for the students that one of the qualifying of the quality assurance reports found ineligible. Although these, there could be many reasons why the actual overpayment is much, much smaller than this amount, at the minimum, Prosperity Denver should have checked other reimbursement requests for students found ineligible by these reports. On report page 23, we found two factors. The lack of oversight and the absence of data management plan contributed to Prosperity Denver's data issues. Federal guidance says managers should use reliable information and have adequate internal controls to achieve the organization's goals. Further, Denver's Executive Order 8 requires agencies, in this case the Office of Children's Affairs, to manage contracts. But based on how city ordinance delegates administration of the program to Prosperity Denver, and because of understaffing, Children's Affairs provides minimal oversight. We provide three recommendations on report pages 25 to 26 to address these data accuracy and reliability risks. Recommendation 1.1 says that the Office of Children's Affairs should provide greater oversight. Children's Affairs should update its contract administration plan to increase its supervision of Prosperity Denver, including, at a minimum, proper safeguards to ensure the reimbursement and reporting processes are accurate. The agency agreed to implement this by December 31st of this year. 
Recommendation 1.2 says that the Office of Children's Affairs should ensure Prosperity Denver establishes and adheres to a comprehensive data management plan. This plan should clearly define the roles and responsibilities of all parties involved in the program, require the use of unique identifiers for students served, documenting any changes or additional information they use to supplement a reimbursement request, and regular data analytics to detect indicators of potential errors or fraud. The agency agreed to implement this by June 30th of 2024. And finally, recommendation 1.3 says Prosperity Denver should work <coughs> with the Office of Children's Affairs to address additional potential errors related to the quality assurance findings and work with supported organizations to continue implementing the recommendations for those from those reports. The agency agreed to implement this by December 31st of this year. And this concludes our discussion of finding one. And now we open the floor for questions and comments. So let me ask the Office of Children's Affairs if you have any additional comments uh, on the first two recommendations. I do. Uh, Melissa Yanishevsky, Executive Director for the Office of Children's Affairs, just in case someone came in late. Um, we really appreciate you addressing these recommendations. Uh, one of the biggest concerns that we've had in our office um, is that we've experienced enormous growth over the last several years. Um, we are dealing with um, staff capacity, our inability to catch up with all of the work that we have, and so we are addressing those recommendations in three different areas. One, we are recommending in our budget for 2024 that we have a dedicated staff person to manage all of our special revenue funds because we have three in our office. Historically, we've never had a dedicated staff person to manage any of our special revenue funds. Second, we're working with PDF so that they can develop a data and management plan. And internally with PDF in partnership, we are creating a contract administration plan. And then lastly, we have ongoing meetings. We wanna make sure that we're in compliance, that we build structure, that we are making sure that we have someone embedded in our agency that can keep track and help guide along the process so that this doesn't happen again. Any questions from the committee? Uh, Leslie. Um, I have two questions that you may not be able to answer. My favorite kind of questions. Um, so I understand that council changed the ordinance in May of just two months ago. So one question is, if the changes that city council had approved in May had, had been in place earlier, would that have changed the audit results? Do you see what I'm saying? We're, and I get it, this is a new program and everybody's adapting and changing, city council made some changes, but would that have changed the results? And I get that some of this is, is just data collection and no, it wouldn't have, but I'm just wondering in general if it would have changed the overall report. I will let the auditees also chime in on this, but I will say to some extent it would have, probably not the finding one, uh, but uh, for example, it makes it easier to meet uh, residency requirement. So that makes it easier to comply with this requirement, makes it easier for every party in this process to collect required documentation and prove the residency. Um, I forget we discussed actually what um, age requirement. Well, well I guess it expands it. The, the controls still have to be in place to make sure that the students meet that requirement, but it expands the opportunities. Um, 
maybe yes, you know the all the improvements this has yeah, made. That, I think there'd be a couple of differences. Um, one is we would have had the funding to start our data program earlier. Um, we are total agreement that our current collection of data and our processing of data needs to be brought into the 21st century. And so um, having the money to do that, which is one of the things that was um, given to us through these city council changes, make it easier. The second thing, which has been very, very difficult for the organizations we support and for us is really determining residency. Uh, COVID made that even more difficult. Uh, we have a lot of students that don't have a home. Um, we have um, a lot of students who have families that are separated and someone may live in Aurora and someone may live in Denver and moving around consistently. So trying to make the whole issue of how we determine if they're a Denver resident easier would have solved some of those problems. So we totally agree with the issues that are being raised. We, um, you know, hopefully we're a little bit out front of them and trying to correct them through city council and changes in the ordinances. So it would have made a difference to answer your questions. And this is maybe a similar, but little, just a slightly different nuance. We have seen many audits of new programs, mm -hmm. and you're not special. <laughs> it, it's just hard getting a new program up and running and figuring out how to make it work. And while I'm not giving that as an excuse, I understand. So another question for audit is, um, did Prosperity Denver's performance change over time? because I'm looking at this data that's from when it started until the 2021 school year. Um, did you see an improvement in the data collection? I tried to look for that, like, yes, initially they weren't collecting this, but then they were and things got better because there obviously is gonna be a learning curve. So, and again, this is more of an opinion question than a fact. This is not something we, we try to assess, however, I'll point out, for example, I briefly mentioned these quality assurance programs that they start, they piloted in 2022. Um, so this is definitely an effort to try to assess how well supported organizations are compliant with their um, agreement in those, they have annual agreements with Prosperity Denver, where they promise to retain the supporting documentation. Um, so they try to check how well they're doing this and to complement everyone in this program, they very promptly received the refunds back for those students that were found to be ineligible. Or there was just, I want to point out throughout this whole audit, one of the things, there, there is a difference between students that are definitely ineligible, where we see evidence of that, and also students where we somehow, we, they were not able to provide documentation um, because it's feasible that they are still eligible. Yes, yes. Um, so I think that program was a huge improvement and also they already started working on the database um, and they have, I don't know how many of those ideas will be implemented, but they have some great ideas of how um, this can improve the reliability, completeness of the data. They mentioned that the system will not allow to, to process a request if there is incomplete data. Um, and then there could be some automated features where they're helping out supported organizations, reducing that administrative burden. The last thing we want to do with this audit is to recommend more red tape where um, supported organizations are more frustrated and it's harder for them to comply with requirements. We want this to be as easy as possible. 
using all the power of technology. Thank you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, well I would, I would um, just add one thing to that, um, and that is that the voters clearly told us at the time, look, we're going to give you a very small administrative budget. We, we don't want you to hire a bunch of people and do all these things. So we have continually strived to improve our processes through that, given the cost restraints we had to do that. So um, the fact that we're actually very pleased with what we see as a result because the amount of you know, errors or unknown you know, dealings with this are small compared to the dollars it would have taken us to actually correct that. Always so, a cost-benefit. Yeah, in a cost-benefit place, we, we spend a lot of time looking at that, and we believe we, we ended up on the right side of that so far. Um, the time frame to implement the whole data management plan, the 11 months out, 11 plus months out before you think it'll be completed, is that, is that what it's going to take? So, so two things. One, we wanted to make sure we met the time frame, uh, but two factors. One is it requires some staffing, and two, it requires input from our supported organizations, and we think that we will easily meet that that measure, but because we are a partnership and the standards require changes on behalf of dozens of nonprofits that have varying cap capabilities, we wanted to make sure that everything was implemented in a timely manner, and if we promised it, we would be able to deliver it. Yeah, yeah let me ask you this question. You know, <clears throat> you're right. You depend on these supported organizations, but let's keep in mind they're being supported. And the real question becomes, when you're being supported, don't you have some responsibilities to the people who are supporting you? And, you know, um, I was kind of brought up with uh, the philosophy of excuses only satisfy <coughs> those who make them. Yeah. And How, how are you going to hold their feet to the fire? Because if their feet aren't held to the fire, there, there's nothing that you can do about it unless you put some teeth in and say, I'm not going to give you the money anymore. And uh, you deal with your students, and I, I understand what the population is and what the feelings are, but I think that, as I see that, that uncontrollable factor, unless you can control it, could end up having us right back here again. Yeah, great points. And so a couple of things to keep in mind about the dynamics. Number one, the, the range of organizational capacity is varies of the nonprofits that we fund. And the areas that we're really most focused on, I think in some of these findings, are the ones that are run by organizations that are either volunteer-led and run. So we're working with people who are administering a scholarship program who are volunteers. Or they may have a part-time staff person that has multiple responsibilities, and our reimbursement to that organization may only be a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars. So what we need to look at is how much financial support are we providing them 
What is their organizational capacity? So strategies we're looking at. Number one, through technology, we think we're going to make this program more reliable and easier to, to operate. So that is a good, that's good news, right? Number two, because of the new rules, we think it's going to be easier to participate in the program too. Number three, those things still may not be enough for all the organizations. And so to try to be as accessible to all organizations, including those that are grassroots run by volunteers, we are considering strategies because we have more budget capacity now where we may actually provide different forms of administrative support to them so they can participate. Because otherwise, if we set the bar too high, there'll be a number of grassroots organizations who just wouldn't be able to participate. And we, we don't want to have that happen. But let me ask you this. If some of these organizations are small and you don't give them that much money, I guess the question is maybe you need to be supporting less organizations. No, I'm just being, you know, you get to a certain point, you say, this is taxpayer money, and there's got to be accountability. So you're 100% you're right. We need to, we, we realize that our SOs. And it's tough, by the way. Oh, it is. It's, it it is. is not, the, some of the stuff we see, there are no excuses for at all. This one here, it's not like that. So, please. Uh, our, our excuse, I mean, and no, I appreciate no. what you're saying. No, but I want, I want to tell you the mindset we had, at least in the initial years, if in fact because of the organization's lack of ability to give us all the data we want, we felt compelled enough that that was a Denver student, low-income Denver student that was going to a Colorado education, we made the decision, let's help the student, even though we may not be following every, by checking every box as, you know, as we need to along the way. But we know that we've got to improve that. It, we won't be back here during the next audit and have these same issues. There may be new ones and I, you know, that we have, but um, with regard to data management, with regard to work with our SOs, we will improve that substantially. If I may speak about Denver Scholarship Foundation processes specifically because we are the largest supported organization, uh, we continue to improve our processes certainly, but I will share that our processes have been very clean and clear from the beginning. I'll share an example around unique identifiers, which was something that was identified on the screen. Uh, we have always provided unique identifiers for our scholars. In 2018 and 19, those unique identifiers were DSF. IDs, we then requested release from our students to share their DPS IDs, which is now the new unique identifier that we provide. So not only were we providing unique identifiers, but we are so very protective and intentional about our students' private information that we requested the release to provide even better uh, unique identifiers. So I think that as we work in partnership with Prosperity Denver Fund and the smaller organizations, we also may have the opportunity to share some best practice and some learnings along the way, as well as any shared students that we may support. As you all may be aware, uh, the cost of college is pretty significant, and so many of our students receive support from various organizations and other funding partners, and so uh, we believe as a partner with Prosperity Denver Fund and the other supported organizations that we can also help share some best practice.
Well, I, for one, appreciate the direction that you all are headed. So thank you very much. And let's continue with uh, finding number two. All right, thank you, Vilma. Moving on to finding two. Prosperity Denver Fund and some supported organizations have not adequately verified eligibility for some students. Beginning on report page 27, Prosperity Denver designed a process where it reviews reimbursement requests without confirming that information with any source documents. Therefore, it largely relies on the 35 supported organizations to verify whether students meet eligibility requirements. This allowed Prosperity Denver staff to handle the workload within the limited administrative budget allowed by city ordinance. After we determined whether Prosperity Denver maintained sufficient accurate data as discussed in finding one, we worked to further test whether Prosperity Denver and the supported organizations were verifying students' eligibility since the inception of the program. For this, we used a two-pronged approach. Out of the roughly 7,600 approved reimbursements, we chose to sample 60 random requests from the four supported organizations receiving the most reimbursements to review supporting documentation showing their eligibility and whether this data was accurately entered into the reimbursement requests. The sample was non-representative, which means the error rate in the full data set could be higher or lower. Additionally, we analyzed all the data in Prosperity Denver's reimbursement spreadsheets to assess whether the nonprofit properly determined student eligibility only based on those spreadsheets and without tracing to supporting documentation. Note that this data analytics testing only includes requests that did have sufficient information in the data set to determine eligibility. Overall, as a result of this testing, we found the following. Some supported organizations do not obtain or retain supporting documentation. Some supporting documentation may not be reliable, and there are data entry errors between supporting documentation and reimbursement requests. The summary of findings is, on is in figure five on report page 30. We split this figure into two slides to make it easier to present. This slide shows qualification findings for each of the 30 students in the three of the four supported organizations we selected. You will notice some students did not meet one qualification while others did not meet more than one. This includes three unqualified students at the Northside High School Foundation for whom we did not receive any support, so we did not know which qualifications they did or did not meet and what scholarship amounts they received. And as a result, they were all marked as not met. When we could not obtain evidence, which means it is still possible these students did meet the requirement, we marked them in yellow instead of red. This slide shows testing results for the fourth supported organization where we selected a sample of 30. You will notice that this organization had fewer exceptions compared to the other three organizations. We were provided with a variety of supporting documentation when testing student qualifications. We considered third-party evidence, such as transcripts from the Denver Public School District, to be most reliable because it came from an outside entity that was neither a student nor an agency we audited. For example, we could verify residency based on high school attendance using transcripts from a student's high school. In addition, Denver Public Schools obtains documentation for students' dates of birth and home addresses. But other documentation, such as entries into the supported organization's internal database or in a student's application, was less reliable. We will now discuss each required qualification in more detail. First up, residency. City ordinance required a student to have lived in Denver continuously for at least three years before their first scheduled class day at a post-secondary school. As a temporary exception, students whose first day of post-secondary education was before January 1st, 2021, and who attended a high school in Denver were also qualified. 
Our sample testing found four unqualified students, 11 instances of no support provided, and one data entry error. Our data analytics work found one unqualified student. Staff from both Prosperity Denver and the supported organization acknowledged significant difficulties in establishing residency for students potentially eligible for program funds. The updates to city ordinance in May 2023 should make it easier for supported organizations to obtain evidence of residency. Up next, financial need. City ordinance limits the scholarships and support services to students from low-income families. It requires a student to show financial need, such as by filling out the free application for federal student aid, also known as FAFSA, or eligibility for free lunch. To implement this requirement, Prosperity Denver has a policy describing other measures of financial need, as well as the sliding scale it uses for reimbursement as required by the ordinance. Our sample testing found three unqualified students, six instances of no support provided, and four data entry errors. Our data analytics did not find any unqualified students. Up next, attendance at a qualifying post-secondary institution and academic progress. City ordinance required eligible students to attend a nationally or regionally accredited nonprofit or pub public post-secondary institution in Colorado and also be certified in good standing at said institution, which means achieving satisfactory academic progress. As a reminder, supported organizations are reimbursed after the school year is complete and satisfactory academic progress for the previous year is known. Our sample testing found six unqualified students, 10 students where no support could be provided, and one data entry error. Our data analytics did not find any unqualified students. Staff at some supported organizations said it was difficult for them to obtain reliable evidence of students' financial need or academic progress from post-secondary institutions because of data privacy protections. Those staff said they are also sometimes must contact students multiple times to obtain information in years after the scholarship was first awarded. Lastly, age. City ordinance required a student to be no older than 25 as of the final scheduled class day of their last school year for which the reimbursement was requested. Our sample testing found three unqualified students, two students where no support could be provided, and seven data entry errors. Our data analytics found three unqualified students. Based on various interviews, we identified several contributing factors that may have kept Prosperity Denver from verifying students' eligibility and that may have hindered some supported organizations from obtaining and keeping adequate support. Prosperity Denver signed its contract with the city less than a year before the COVID-19 pandemic began in spring 2020. The pandemic disrupted many areas of society, including requiring new patterns for work and education. The pandemic also affected how students attended college, how they were accepted by post-secondary institutions, and how the supported organizations were fundraising and processing scholarships. Additionally, this being the only such municipal program in the nation, there were no examples or templates or software packages readily available for the program to start its operations. Many of the organizations involved, Children's Affairs, Prosperity Denver, and some of the 35 supported organizations have experienced turnover in key roles. Next, supported organizations may have limited capacity to implement what is required. In its annual agreement with the supported organizations, Prosperity Denver requires each organization to keep student qualification documentation for three years. Organizations are also responsible for reviewing the list of approved students for accuracy before the Prosperity Denver Board of Directors votes to reimburse them. However, many of these organizations have also experienced significant turnover, have volunteers working on requests for reimbursement, and have not received clear written guidance from Prosperity Denver about what is required to verify eligibility and what documentation is reliable. Lacking oversight was another contributing factor. 
For example, Children's Affairs staff did not receive or review the two quality assurance reports issued in 2022. And finally, our analysis found no documented evidence that a second person at three of the four supported organizations we tested reviewed and approved reimbursement requests before submitting them to Prosperity Denver. Prosperity Denver staff said to address these issues, they provided more training to the supported organizations and are creating a database that would allow for fewer manual processes and better automated quality control, such as not allowing a reimbursement request if required information fields are missing. Because of the weak system of oversight and lack of controls, potential errors may not be prevented or detected, and Prosperity Denver may continue reimbursing ineligible students. While some of the students may nonetheless be eligible for reimbursement, this cannot be proven without sufficient documentation. Reimbursement of potentially ineligible students can damage the city's reputation and erode public confidence in this program. To address these risks, we offer three recommendations on report pages 40 and 41. Recommendation 2.1, Children's Affairs should ensure Prosperity Denver adequately oversees the process of verifying students' eligibility. This should include aligning records retention policies, periodic reviews and updates to its policies and procedures for documentation requirements, a secondary review of reimbursement requests, and continued training for supported organizations. The agency agreed to this with an implementation date of June 30th, 2024. Recommendation 2.2, Children's Affairs and Prosperity Denver should design and implement a process to review a sample of supporting documentation from the supported organizations during each reimbursement period. This process should be used to identify weaknesses in the reimbursement process and to update guidance to the supported organizations. They also agreed to this recommendation with an implementation date of May 31st, 2024. And lastly, recommendation 2.3, in line with existing refund practices, Children's Affairs and Prosperity Denver should obtain refunds from supported organizations for reimbursements where this audit could not find sufficient evidence of students being eligible. In addition, Prosperity Denver should analyze other potential instances where these ineligible students may have been inappropriately reimbursed and seek refunds. The agency also agreed to this with an implementation date of August 15th, 2023. This concludes our presentation on finding two. I'll pause for any questions or comments before handing it off to Anna. Any additional comments from the Office of Children's Affairs? Yes, thank you so much. I'm Kat Jarvis, Deputy Director. Um, OCA is working on developing desk audit and document review processes to better monitor and oversee the accuracy of reimbursements. And as PDF is building out their new database and data management plan, we'll work with them to fully understand the functionality of the system and build out compliance and oversight processes based on PDF's new internal processes. We will also um, work with PDF to ensure that refunds are received and make this a part of our regular monthly check-ins with PDF. Yeah. I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> if you go to page 30, um, and these are the top four organizations <clears throat> and you take a look at, you know, the results for the Denver Scholarship Foundation, <clears throat> and you compare it to the other three. Uh, Denver Scholarship Foundation has got very few problems. And as I'm sitting here, and I'm listening to who the other organizations are, it occurs to me that most of them really have a scale problem that there's nothing you're going to do about. And I guess my question is, 
is it, is it impractical to either cut some of these organizations out and have them refer people to DSF that has the scale to do, do it, or alternatively, for those organizations that just use volunteers and you know it, it's never going to get better, um, have Denver Scholarship Foundation do the administration for them. Because I mean, you know, listening to what some of these organizations are like, you know, it's never going to happen. And but you have somebody who seems to do a relatively far better job than even the other three next ones down. That's just the thought. I, I don't know. If Stephen, would you like to weigh in on this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, you're right. Denver Scholarship Foundation has the resources and the ability to do an excellent job, and they continue. <clears throat> the conversations that we are entertaining right now is a lot of the data can come centrally. So whether someone qualifies by residency or qualifies by income level or sustains academic performance or age are all things that we could create through a central database so that even these smaller organizations that don't have the, the resources to do it themselves, we could give them that data. And so that's something that's really strong that we're looking at to try to improve this whole situation without disqualifying some organizations from reimbursement. So it's, it's right on idea and um, it's something that we, we're in the process of talking about and have been for well over a year on how to accomplish. I want to just tag on to your question because this is where my mind goes. Um, I am making an assumption and, it, that, and I'm going to ask you if it's a valid assumption or not that it is important to have I love Denver Scholarship Foundation. I think very highly of it. I think very highly of Lori. But I wonder if these other organizations have the reach into the students that just maybe DSF can't get to. And so while from a sort of business analytical, yep, let's just run everything through DSF, they seem to figure it out, would we be missing students? Would we be not having the reach to the students that we would otherwise have? And as as I know we all are, Denver taxpayers, somebody who voted for this, somebody who believes so much in secondary education, I don't want to miss anybody. So I'm throwing that question out to this side of the table, to what you think, Lori, you're nodding. <coughs> what are your thoughts? Because it would be really easy for you to say, yep, let us do it all. But you're saying no. Nope, don't let us do it all. Uh, we hold these uh, organizations and the other supported organizations in the highest regard. We partner with them. They do oftentimes serve students that we may not. We are what's considered a promise-based scholarship organization and so have some requirements that include attendance of Denver Public Schools for four years, as an example. Well, there are many students that would qualify for scholarship support from other supported organizations who have been in attendance of Denver Public Schools for fewer than four years. So that's an example of some of the students we may be missing with our scholarship. Additionally, because we work in such close partnership with each of these organizations and the other supported organizations, sometimes we provide a portion of the scholarship, another organization provides a portion of a scholarship, et cetera, and $500 to a student makes a big difference. 
and, and oftentimes can keep a student enrolled and persisting in college when, when the student has grown up with low income. So every bit that we as supported organizations in total uh, can provide and invest Denver taxpayers dollars, big thanks to Denver taxpayers, in those students and their success we want to be able to do. Thank you for the kind words. And one thing I'll add, just a couple things to add. Again, this really is an all hands on deck approach that we need because this, the challenge is so big, right? But we have an opportunity here as a community to really make a big difference. And one of the differences we can make through this fund is improving the capacity of these organizations. And so that's one thing that's really exciting. This audit is important and it probably reviewed us at the most challenging time because we were new, launched in a global once hopefully in a century pandemic. I look at these results and want to add a little extra context because we actually reviewed every single transaction as a result of this audit. And we, the refunds that are referred to in 2.3 are $33,000. We're collecting those. And actually I'm gonna deposit a check today. So, <laughs> uh, so, that, but, so my point is that's 99.9% .9 accurate and we're striving for 100. So these data errors don't always mean there's an, an ineligible student, it just means we need to do a better job of collecting and documenting. When we do find an error, we correct it very quickly and we're all committed to that. So that's the good news, that we have a strong program that's getting better, so. Anna, shall we continue with finding three? Sounds good. Beginning on page 42, finding three says that some supported organizations lack sufficient documentation to support payments for eligible students. We tested the payments to reimburse for scholarships and support services by reviewing the payment sent from Prosperity Denver to supported organizations, by reviewing the supported organizations' scholarship payments, and by looking at the documentation for support services. For the payments from Prosperity Denver, we tested whether only students marked as eligible were selected for reimbursement by Prosperity Denver after they reviewed the reimbursement request spreadsheets. We found Prosperity Denver erroneously reimbursed scholarships for nine students, despite them being reported ineligible by their own supported organization due to not meeting academic progress requirements. These cases totaled about $21,000, or like Matt was saying, 0.1% of the approved requests. Prosperity Denver staff said it was due to a human error when they were reviewing the reimbursement requests. Next, we tested whether reimbursement amounts were accurately calculated and found minor errors of reimbursement rates. And finally, we verified uh, amounts paid from Prosperity Denver to supported organizations by confirming all payments with bank statements. In the next area of pay payment testing, starting on page 44, we traced the amounts paid out for the specific student to ensure the, supported, uh, the reported scholarship was actually made and the amount was, was accurate. Amount, uh, among our sample of 60, we found that most supported organizations make scholarship payments directly to each post-secondary institution, 
the Northside High School Foundation made payments directly to students in some years. However, this organization uh, could not provide evidence of payment for the three students who they told us were ineligible. The Latin American Educational Foundation could not provide evidence for any of the 10 students sampled. We, we, however, were able to trace all scholarship payments made by the Sachs Foundation and the Denver Scholarship Foundation. Finally, we tested whether the supported organizations had adequate documentation to justify support services. These services are designed to increase the likelihood a student will graduate from college by providing, for example, academic tutoring and counseling. Prosperity Denver reimburses qualifying supported organization directly for the support services they provide. In addition, Prosperity Denver provides the supported organizations with a template, including specific instructions to help them calculate and submit reimbursement requests. Reimbursement amounts are broken down into three categories of personnel costs, direct operating, and indirect costs. The reimbursement for a student support service cannot be higher than the scholarships. We, we tested support service reimbursement requests for the same four organizations for the same school years, except the Sachs Foundation does not request reimbursements for their support services. On page 46, for the Latin American Foundation, we obtained the relevant payroll reports for all four years. However, while they gave us the total payroll amounts, they did not include staff job descriptions as instructed. We found payroll amounts were higher in the reimbursement requests compared to the payroll report in three of the years we looked at. But for the 2021-22 school year, the payroll report exceeded the reimbursement request amount by $400. Meanwhile, we were given no evidence of how they had established the rate for fringe benefits. Specifically, for the 2018-19 school year, it is unclear why fringe costs for each category were 15%, but then the overall for the year was 17.3%. For the Northside High School Foundation, we obtained the total for salary and benefits for the one employee from the high school principal's email. The reimbursement request for the 2021-2022 school year also listed direct operating costs, but included no support documentation, such as invoices or printouts from an accounting system. For the Denver Scholarship Foundation, we found all the documentation supporting percentage allocations, staff job titles and descriptions, and calculations. However, we could not trace and verify exact amounts because in some cases, there was not a direct correlation between the supporting documentation and the reimbursement request. For example, while the supported organization provided annual salary amount for 46 employees, the payroll report they provided shows, showed costs for 58 employees. And the supporting, uh, supporting documentation did not show which of these 58 
positions in the payroll report, the foundation was seeking reimbursement. Prosperity Denver staff said that because they only have few employees and could only spend 5% of their funding on administrative costs, they do, not, they do not review the underlying documentation that the supported organizations use to calculate the cost of their support services. As reported on page 47, in total, we found 23 of 60 students in our sample were either ineligible or there was not sufficient evidence provided to support their eligibility. This corresponded to about $66,000 or about 40% of the $166,000 we tested. These amounts include both scholarship and support service reimbursements and do not include the few errors we found during our data analytics of the full data set. But it is important to note, because this sample was not representative of the entire population, we cannot speak of how many issues with supporting documentation there may be across the 7,600 approved reimbursements. Notably though, most of the errors in our sample happened in the three smaller of the four tested supported organizations. One of the reasons for these issues is that Prosperity Denver does not provide enough guidance to the supported organizations. At the same time, as described in finding two, there are many obstacles for some supported organizations to accurately calculate their requests and maintain documentation. Therefore, supported organizations risk miscalculating their requests and not keeping sufficient documentation, and Prosperity Denver risks paying inaccurate amounts to supported organization, organizations or paying for scholarships or expenses not actually incurred or not eligible. For this finding, we offer two recommendations starting on page 46. Recommendation 3.1, the Office of Children's Affairs should ensure Prosperity Denver establishes and documents clear requirements for supported organizations to maintain records showing all funds received from Prosperity Denver and all funds paid for student scholarships. The agency agreed to implement this recommendation by the end of this year, December 31st. Recommendation 3.2, the Office of Children's Affairs should ensure Prosperity Denver establishes and documents clear requirements for supported organizations to prepare and keep reliable and accurate supporting documentation for support services costs, including evidence of secondary review and the agency has agreed to implement this by December 31st of this year. This concludes our presentation, and now we can open the floor for comments and questions. Thank you. Any additional comments from Melissa? Oh. That actually. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You look ready to Putting say something. <laughs> We know that records retention is a, a high priority in the city, and these findings brought to light the need for us to clearly communicate the city requirements to our vendors and their subcontractors. So we're making efforts to incorporate expectations into our contract administration plan with PDF 
um, as well as plan some regular trainings for PDF and the supported organizations to ensure that they're aware of and following these requirements. Thank you. I also want to add just a, a couple of things. One, I, I think in agreement with Matt, we're dealing with coming out of a global pandemic right now, so this audit came at a really good time for all of us. One is that our office, not only with PDF, but in general, are really looking and listening to our community partners around how they are also experiencing staff capacity. We want to make sure that we're examining how we're collecting data, how we're working with our partners so that we can make improvements and also look at our own approach. So I mentioned earlier that we are also dealing with, uh, we are short-staffed, we, we manage three special revenue funds, and so we are well aware of the things that we need to improve upon. So I just want to say thank you for um, working with all of you on this audit. It was such a pleasure, and we really appreciate all your feedback. Thank you. I, I, I want to thank the um, Scholarship Foundation, the Office of Children's Affairs, Prosperity Denver for the very constructive way you have approached this audit and presented your thoughts here uh, this morning. And I look forward to uh, when we review the results of this audit, seeing this program being even more successful than it is today. So thank you very much. I just wanted to add the thanks. Your, your team was very professional, courteous, and thorough throughout this process. And I think we're going to have a better program with results. So we look forward to the future of relationship and conversation. So thank you all. Terrific. Thank you very much. I would like to add the same. <laughs> Just before we wrap up, the team really was phenomenal. I echo everything that Melissa and Matt said as well. I think they're phenomenal too. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That concludes the briefing on the uh, College Affordability Program. Next item we have is general business. Not much general business, but I have appointed um, a gentleman named Frank Rowe to fill the spot that Rudy Payan um, vacated in May. Um, we'll have a press release coming out. I'll send you the press release that gives you a little more uh, background about Frank. He's more of a business person. He's not a, a CPA or a, yes. <laughs> uh, couldn't make it today, but I'm pretty sure he'll make it uh, you know, once he gets it on his calendar. Like everything else, you start to work around it. So. With that, I think we, uh, one, I'll have our next meeting here on August 17th in the Par Widener room rather than this room at 9 o'clock, and let's adjourn to executive session across the street to meet with our independent auditors and progress on the outside audit as well as the single audit. of the City and County of Denver. And the Charter and Ordinances of the City and County of Denver. And that I will faithfully perform. And I will faithfully perform. 
The duties of the Office of City Council. The duties of the Office of City Council. Of the City and County of Denver. Of the City and County of Denver. To which I have been appointed. To which I have been appointed. And upon which I'm about to enter. And upon which I'm about to enter. Congratulations. Awesome. <laughs> Next up to take the oath, Councilwoman Stacy Gilmore, representing District 11. Councilwoman at large, Serena Gonzalez Gutierrez. And Councilwoman at large, Sarah Parody. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I state your name. Sarah Do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support the Constitution and the laws of the United States and of the State of Colorado and the Charter and Ordinances of the City and County of Denver and that I will faithfully perform the duties of the Office of City Council. The duties of the Office of City Council. Of the City and County of Denver. Of the City and County of Denver. To which I have been appointed. To which I have been appointed. And upon which I am about to enter. And upon which I am about to enter. Congratulations. Join me in welcoming your new Denver City Council. And now to take the oath, Denver's Auditor, Timothy O'Brien. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Timothy M. O'Brien. I, Timothy Michael O'Brien. Do solemnly swear or affirm. Do solemnly swear or affirm. That I will support the Constitution and laws of the United States. That I will support the Constitution and laws of the United States. And of the State of Colorado. And of the State of Colorado. And the Charter and Ordinances of the City and County of Denver. The Charter and Ordinances of the City and County of Denver. And that I will faithfully perform. And I will faithfully perform. The duties of the Office of Auditor. The duties of the Office of Auditor. Of the City and County of Denver. Of the City and County of Denver. To which I have been appointed. To which I have been appointed. And upon which I'm about to enter. And upon which I am about to enter. Thank you very much. And now to take his oath, Denver Clerk and Recorder, Paul Lopez. 